0: Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Another hammer has dropped on the Canadian vaping industry. The federal government has announced it is moving to restrict nicotine levels to a maximum concentration of 20 milligrams per milliliter for vaping products manufactured, imported, or packaged for sale in Canada. For many Canadian vapers, the proposed new limit would slash by half, for some, the amount of nicotine they consume when vaping. And by Health Canada's own projections, it could actually lead to some adult vapors returning to smoking. Joining us today is Daryl Tempest, the Executive Director of the Canadian Vaping Association. Daryl, thanks for coming back on the show. Explain to our viewers what this nicotine concentration cap is and what the impact you believe it might have.
1: Nicotine concentrations uh, were traditionally 3, 6, and 12. Uh, I, I would imagine that this is the industry that they thought that they were legislating as opposed to um what happened through 2018 and really into 2007 or late in 2017 in the united states where you had a large distribution channel open through convenience stores with products and this isn't a shot on convenience stores it's just i think the reality of of how they've been moved so when health canada looked at it from the first perspective they would have looked at what this cottage industry sort of looked like and what they were legislating. We're looking at, when we talk about nicotine concentrations, um, through our kind of view of it, is that they're trying to go back to the industry that they thought they were regulating. right? Now, what we can't do is ignore some of the data. And we can't ignore the fact that youth are experimenting. Youth will always experiment, regardless of the platform. It's part of human nature. It's been around forever. But there's no correlation between how we're attaching public policy to youth experimentation and harm reduction. Instead of us talking about harm reduction, which you won't find nowhere, in this review uh, in this gazette one any conversation about uh, uh the reduce uh, the harm reduction opportunity that we face and what that looks like in relation to nicotine concentrations it's the pr mess that was created by media's sensation on a valley and false reporting on uh youth uptake.
0: And it's the the youth is the real issue here. I mean, that obviously clearly is the case when it comes to all the PR messaging, when it comes to the nonprofit health groups and their push and then the government themselves. And so here we are two years later and it appears that the Canadian government is still using data from 2018 and early 2019 uh, to back up uh, the fact that there is an epidemic of teen vaping. Yet the, the government of Canada's own numbers that came out in March of 2020 of this year shows a 5% drop. So there's there's quite a bit of difference between the numbers from then and the numbers from now. We
1: need to follow the science and we need to follow the data. We say that all the time as an industry. One of the points that we have to recognize is that youth rates in the United States went up a great deal as compared to the UK. We don't have um, a uh, reflection point at 40 milligrams or 35 milligrams. Well, one of the things that we definitely need to call on the government to do is through this process, start building our own data in order to give our citizens the best opportunity to reduce their harm for what is still the leading killer. And it's not that anyone's not noticing. right? We talk about it all the time. In, you see our press releases and and our communication, media doesn't want to pick up on it, government hasn't talked about it, and they certainly haven't got back to us about it on anything as it relates to harm reduction. Baking represents, without question, the greatest harm reduction opportunity in volume in our nation's history. And it's not recognized, whether I talk to the federal government, whether we're talking with provincial governments, it is solely focused on youth uptake. It's almost as if uh, adult smokers are being completely left behind, right? If we're going to come up with concrete policies, we also have to understand that you know um, it was way easier when I was young to get a hold of cannabis than it was to alcohol. Because it was in a regulated environment. I had to get a cousin or an uncle or, or, you know, someone that could access those products. So in this case, we're trying to ensure that a product that is far more valuable to the Canadian society than recreational cannabis, we're not talking about medical cannabis, we're talking about recreational cannabis, or alcohol, and it is being restricted.
0: Far more. When you're going through this document, it's harsh because they actually equate on the same line, smoking and vaping mortality. Smoking and vaping morbidity. Like that there's no difference between the two.
1: The government certainly won't have an understanding of what the long-term impacts of vaping are. I think as an industry, we have to absolutely kind of come to that conclusion because we don't know. What we know is it's far less harmful than smoking. We know what the end game is when, you, when you're when you a long-term smoker. You end up dying. That's the conclusion that we have to get to. I'm not uncomfortable with government saying, you know what, we just don't know what. When it comes to um, specifically talking about the long-term health outcomes of baby. What is important here and what hasn't been recognized is that the science on the harm reduction is not being recognized. Mm -hmm. I think what this document is about and what they need to hear from papers is that adult access is important when you're talking about a Schedule A drug, which nicotine is, that high levels of concentration need to be um, prescribed by someone with a lot of knowledge and education. I'm not saying that vape shop owners are clinicians or um, harm reduction experts by education, but they built this industry in so many ways. And then technology and advances came, but it came so fast. So the world changed on policymakers in a moment and the public pressure on them is it's easier to talk about youth reduction than it is to talk about the fact that you're going to regulate out the best options to address the country's largest
0: kill when they look at the number of vapors that they believe who will not transition from high nicotine use down to uh, 20 milligrams or less, they believe that 25% will not make that transition. And the assumption then is that they'll go back to smoking. And that's that's a lot of vapors that could go back to smoking. And the cost to the health system, and obviously to their lives and, and so forth, is not being accounted for. Um, in this regulation?
1: It's not being accounted for uh, from the lack of any engagement for harm reduction. How can we assume it's being considered at all? Right. (laughs) I mean, I don't even know if it's being, having any weight on the submissions that we as an industry need to make. Because at no point do they say it has value. So there's three types of uh, caps right now in in Canada right Ontario has a cap and they have an exception BC has a cap with no exception Newfoundland ha- or uh, Nova Scotia has a cap with no exception right so there's a way to get what the pathway that you're looking for is saying yes I'm going to Cap, nicotine, but I gotta give adults an opportunity to reduce their harm and understand their relative risk. So
0: how do we do that with cannabis? How do we do that with alcohol? Just put it
1: in age restriction.
0: Health Canada, you know, outright says, and I love it when Health Canada provides these numbers, the vaping industry in 2019 in Canada is a $1.36 billion business. Okay, so in the baseline, It is projected that the compound annual growth rate of sales of vaping products is 15% from 2021 to 2024, based on historical data. It is further assumed that the overall growth rate of sales of vaping products is 0% during the 2025 to 2050 period. They're anticipating that within four years, the growth of the market in Canada will be at zero. That is planned obsolescence, isn't
1: it? I would suggest, with Health Canada's ambitious goal of getting smoking rates down below 5% by 2035, and this is the most successful NRT product of all time, that those two theories or plans don't mesh at all. NRT, 10% or less, vaping, 18% success rate and higher. So if you're not planning growth in the most successful NRT platform that you have, I would say that your uh, strategy needs adjustment.
0: So it's not like they don't know that it's better for you, but it's like maybe, potentially, it's like what you're saying is that there's so much political heat around this issue that the government's looking for an out and the out that they clearly are doing is they're asking for a great vaping reset. They're saying, okay, we didn't have these problems in 2018 uh, before Nick Saltz and Jewel entered the marketplace. So let's kind of reset back to that. The one thing we do
1: know is the market did change in 2018. That's undeniable, right? How do we fix that is very much up for debate. But there is a Um, an understanding out there that high nicotine concentrations lead to youth addiction. Whether we agree or not, because we certainly don't feel that the problem is nearly as big as media spins it to, I think government has a massive PR problem and they're trying to address that public relations nightmare and frankly, so is the industry, because between valley and Youth Update, the industry has been under attack for two years.
0: What kind of picture do you see for twenty twenty one?
1: I think when public policy uh, works best is when it comes together with balance. Balance is important. If you uh, are Going to see within a short period of time our submission to Health Canada. And our submission is going to be based around the fact that Ontario got the best balance. We think Ontario has the best regulations uh, in North America. So it's an opportunity for a smoker to uh, have a product where they're at the point of purchase for a tobacco product. But when they start to explore and learn more and address their nicotine needs, that they can get those products in an environment where they can be profiled. And we're absolutely looking at um, the education levels that are available within a babe shop and product uh, variety and high nicotine. Health Canada needs to hear from consumers. I think they look at advocacy and the the, um, uh, the business side of it is having a vested interest. I think what we've missed here um, and that we got to drive more of is the voice of the consumer, the voice of the smoker. Because in, you can uh, see that they referenced the postcard campaigns yes. um, where they've got the data. They've done that consistently. Right, it's, that's not even new information. Like they, they really have. Um, we need to do, we need to do more of that, and that we have to agree on the fact that we have a very negative public reputation because of a lot of misinformation, and it's politically convenient, and we need to make it politically inconvenient by pushing back by the fact that uh, and like you said from the report, um, that smokers lives don't matter. 25% of smokers lives don't matter.